Well, good morning, church. Well, that was sort of weak. I can tell it's a rainy day outside. Good morning, church. I know you gave Paul the great, you know, hearty good morning already. I'd like one too. So, hey, grab your Bibles and open them up to the book of James. It's uh, one thing about when you're going through the book of James, um, you sort of know um, what's coming. Right? Because if, if you've been here, you're sort of following along, and so you're like, oh, I know what we're talking about next week, as long as we're in the book of James. And, uh, and some people are like, and maybe I'm not going to come, because I know what we're going to be preaching about, what we're going to be talking about. But if you know anything about what we've been doing so far, you know that James is very adamant, very strong about making sure that we're serious about our faith. He's like, you, you say you believe? Good. I, I want to see it. Faith and works, they go together. I want to see this. Don't be a poser. Don't be faking it. Show me your faith. And so as we continue here, though, here's the thing. James is going to get really specific now. James is like, okay. And as we've talked about gut punches and stepping on your toes, James is like, okay, listen, I want to see your, I want to see your faith and works put together. Now I'm really going to come at you. And it's going to involve every one of you. And none of us are going to be exempt this morning. Some of us are going to squirm in our seats. And some of us are going to like, yeah, I don't need to hear this. Or, man, I did not want to hear this. Um, but we all, we all do this. And we'll get into that a little bit more. But in your book of James, chapter 3, we'll start right there, verse 1. Let's see what it says. Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, before James gets into the whole issue of our words and our tongues and all this, he first talks to those who stand behind the pulpit, those who have a mic in the hand, those who are teachers, preachers. So I want to talk to you first. Before I talk to everybody in general, I want to talk to you specifically about the use of your tongue. Be careful what you say. You will be judged more strictly. Church, there's a reason why when I when I get prepared to, to preach or to teach somewhere, I'm very cautious in my preaching. And what, what I mean by that is I pray before every message, God, may these words be your words. Because if they're my words, they could be tainted with a lot of humanity and lead you in the wrong direction. And when I finish speaking and I walk down off the stage, I'm often concerned about how I did not because I want to pat on the back to feel good, but because I wonder, did I clearly communicate God's word? Was the focus on me or God's word? God, did I mess up? Because I do not want to mess up. Because I understand I'm responsible. I'm accountable to God for everything that I say about his word to all of you. And, and to me, that can be scary. And I know a lot of people often want the position of, getting up in front of people and preaching or teaching or speaking, whatever it may be, but it's like it's not to be taken lightly. To understand the severity and the responsibility is huge. I understand that my words can not only be encouraging and uplifting, but they can also lead you in the wrong direction. They can inflict wounds or enrage others. So for this reason, James, who's a pillar of the church, a leader and a teacher and a speaker, He's like, listen, before I talk to everybody, those of you that are like me, that are up in front often, be careful. Because the words you say, you'll be judged more strictly. So we don't take that 
first verse lightly, at least for myself. But then James continues on and said, okay, shot fired across the battle, some would say. Here's your warning. Now let's get into the next part. He says this, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we'd be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. It's like, James like, yeah, listen, we all make mistakes. We, we all mess up. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. And he's sitting here and saying, I struggle with this. I love James includes, it's like, we all. He didn't say, you all struggle. He's like, we all. And then so it makes me wonder, was this a huge temptation? Was this something that James struggled with? Because let's remember his past. This is the brother of Jesus Christ. He was in the same household. He did not really believe at first that his brother was the Christ. He was like, you know, what did he, what did he say about him behind closed doors? What did he say on public? Oh, Jesus, he's a, he's a fake. Did he say something that could have hurt his brother? We do know that there's a passage. Mark chapter 3, verses 20, 21 says this. One time Jesus entered a house. The crowds began to gather again. Soon he and his disciples couldn't even find room or find time to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they tried to take him away. They said this, he's out of his mind. His family. So could this have been James? Could have been James like, yeah, Jesus is crazy, man. He's a lunatic. Those are harsh words for the son of God, right? So was James remembering back to maybe he said some things and he's like, man, we, we all, including myself, we all stumble. We all mess up. We all make mistakes. And so for all of us in this room this morning, here's the thing. We're all in this together, okay? So if you're in here this morning, it's like, this sermon's going to be for somebody in here, but probably not me. We all stumble. There's a couple other scriptures. Here's two, and there's probably two dozen more that will go with this. But Proverbs 29 says, who can say, I've cleansed my heart. I'm pure and I'm free from sin. Let me answer that. Nobody. Here's another one. John says this, if we claim we have no sin, we're only fooling ourselves and we're not living in truth. Truth is, we all make mistakes. We all mess up. And that word mistakes is actually translated stumble. In the Greek, it's translated stumble, which I'm very thankful for because, see, there's sometimes when I make a mistake, it's intentional, but there's times when we make mistakes, it's unintentional. You know what it means to stumble? You just walk along and you just trip. It isn't like I'm walking into the store, especially guys when you were younger and, and you're like single and you're trying to impress the ladies and you're walking through a, a store and you're like, oh, there's, there's somebody. You know, and you're like, like, oh, you know, and you trip. You didn't do that on purpose. Like this is, this is a great way to pick up a girl, tripping and falling, right? No, nobody wants to trip. Nobody wants to stumble. But what does he say here? He says, we all stumble. We all unintentionally fall down. I'm sure you've done that, right? You said something, something comes out of your mouth like, I can't believe I just said that, right? We, it's unintentional, sometimes intentional, but James says sometimes it's unintentional. We all, we all do it. So what do we do then? Because he's going to be talking about our tongues and we all make mistakes with what we say. Some of us intentionally, some of us unintentionally, but we all mess up. How are we going to control this? How about a vow of silence? Someone's like, 
I've made a vow of silence. I will not open my mouth again because I know anything that comes on my mouth, I will probably say it wrong, right? Have you ever been in an argument with somebody? It's like, I just can't say anything right around her. I'm, I'm just not going to say anything. You know, five minutes later, you're saying something, you're probably getting in trouble again, right? But if I could just have a vow of silence, I could control this. I can control this, right? Look at verse 3. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. James says, let me help you out. I'm going to give you two pictures. First of all, we're going to talk about the bit that goes in the mouth of a horse and a rudder that's on the back of a ship. With these things right here, these two things, this is what controls something big. The bit in the mouth of a horse controls a big horse. The small rudder on the back of the ship steers the big ship in the direction it's going to go. Something so small can control something so big. Except the tongue. The tongue tongue is so small. So if we can control the tongue, we can control the whole body, right? This is sort of where James is, is going with this. But he says, but you know what? It's too hard. The, the tongue, even though it's so small, is so powerful. Taking a vow of silence, nice try. You think you can control yourself by taking a vow of silence. Let's talk about that horse. What do you do with an unruly and, and, and restless horse? You just keep it in its stall? Keep it in the barn? It needs to get out. It's not meant to stay in there. The ship, do you mean it's supposed to be at the dock the whole time? No. It needs to be out in the water. And that's why you need that small thing, that bit and that rudder to control once it gets out there where it's supposed to be. And body, you need to be out in public, right? You can't live in a cave and keep a vow of silence. How are you going to do this? We need someone strong to grab the reins of the horse or to to grab the the wheel of the boat. I mean, to, to keep the help steered in the right direction, right? Who's strong enough to do that? I am not strong enough to control this little thing here that controls the rest of my body. It needs to be a Holy Spirit action. It needs to be something from God. And here's the thing, because I'm often in front of groups speaking, whether it be here at a church or at a school or wherever it might be with a team, speaking, preaching, coaching, a lot of people think that this comes easy to me. That that I'm very smooth with my delivery and good with my words. But let it be known, I'm not. There's times I mess up. You have witnessed it multiple times, probably. But because I want to maybe sound smart or sound funny, I may say something that I shouldn't say, and later I'm thinking I should have never said that. We thought that would make people laugh, and really it was dumb. I should have never said that. And I've often shared with you and and others that, uh, to your surprise, I was voted the shyest kid in sixth grade. I was a shy kid. I didn't want to be in front of groups. I, I, I did not want to talk in front of groups. You know why? Because I had a speech impediment. I had to go to speech class in elementary classes to learn to talk correctly and pronunciate better than what I was doing. And I struggled with that. And maybe that's why I liked Moses so much. Because if you remember the story of Moses, Moses was chosen by God to lead. But what did Moses do? Moses had every excuse, one after another. And finally Moses was like, hey God, I got a speech impediment. I can't even talk right. And God's like, who gave you your tongue? You. So who do you think can help you with your tongue? You, right? Maybe that's why I like Moses so much. I can sort of fit with him. But I, I, I struggle with this thing right here, the tongue. And if you think you don't, I'm going to prove it wrong right now. Now, you all know when, when Brian preaches, Brian is usually at a fast pace. 
keeping you all alert and awake. Doesn't use the pulpit. And he, you, know, you're, you can't fall asleep on Brian because you're usually doing this, right? Another thing Brian does is he'll ask the question. He expects an answer. You guys know when I ask questions, it's usually a rhetorical question. It's usually to get you thinking. You don't respond back. And if you do, I'm a little surprised, but we roll with it, okay? But here's the thing. You, I need you to respond this morning. So you're going to help me out. We're going to do this together. Up on the screen, yes, we are going to say this tongue twister together. So stretch your lips, your jaws. We're going to do this together. I expect everybody to participate. Here we go. You ready? Let's read this. Peter Piper picked a pick of pepper, peppers. Pick a pick a, keep going. That was good. I saw a lot of participation. Some of you were still going when I interrupted you. We're going to try it one more time. Let's do this together. We can do it. I can do it this time. I'm going to, I'm going to look at my notes here. Okay, here we go. Ready? Peter Piper picked a peck of peppers. Pick a peppers. Peter Piper picked a Peter Piper picked up. Case in point, I struggle. Me, I'm like, Peter, where's the peppers? That's all I would have said, okay? I don't care if they're pickled or not. I don't know where they are. You know, right? Here's another one. This is a strong one. Ready? Royer the warrior and Roger the warrior were regarded wrongly in a rural brewery. That sounds a lot like Charlie Brown's teacher right there, right? All I want to know is why uh, Rory and Roger grew up in a bar. It just didn't make sense to me. That's all I would have said, right? Now, um, I was going to throw Maria under the bus this morning and help me out with this one. I'm not going to make her say it out loud, but uh, here's one in Spanish. And for anybody else in here who speaks Spanish, uh, take, a, take a try at that one. Do you want to say it out loud, Maria, for us? Very good. Five times much quicker. No. You know, that's why I never learned Spanish, because that was hard to say, right? It's much easier to say three sad tigers were eating wheat in a field. Okay, it would have been much easier just to say that, right? But here's my, my point. Tongue twisters are hard, right? Sometimes my tongue gets twisted up in, in things that I'm trying to say for the good. Sometimes things get twisted and they come out wrong, intentionally or unintentionally. It is a hard thing to control the tongue, isn't it? James goes on to say, verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire, is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Here's the thing. The tongue is, is uncontrollable. It is powerful. And it is dangerous. It's dangerous. The tongue is like a fire, James says. Now, here's the thing, though. First, th- my thought about a fire is just sitting around a campfire. I like that. Or cooking over a fire. I like fire can be used for good, but we also know that fire can be destructive and can destroy the things and the people we love. James says that the tongue is a flame of fire. With, with our words, with our words, we can use our words like warming up when you're cold and cooking up something, or with our words, we can destroy like this picture here. Sometimes we don't realize it as we walk around and the things we say, we might as well be walking around like a flamethrower holding a can of gasoline. We're an arsonist at times with our words. 
not realizing how it can burn and singe and scar people. James isn't really saying anything new here, right? Maybe we're like, well, I don't always use, I'm, I'm pretty good with what I, I guard my mouth pretty well. But if James was writing today in the 21st century, I think he would say, how are you doing with tweets and posts, your text messages, your emails? Because they didn't have that around back then, right? Everything was orally spoken. Everything was coming from your mouth. Today, we communicate in so many other ways. I think James today would say, look at how you communicate today. It's powerful. Tweet, yeah, and then you hit send. As soon as you hit send, it's gone. It's out there. And everybody knows the danger, the destruction that can come. Everybody knows the goodness that can come too, right? But I think we all can look at this scripture and sort of now where we're sitting, sort of sit here and say, our words can be dangerous. You remember the phrase as kids, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never, what, hurt me? First of all, we don't like broken bones, right? Sticks and stones, I don't like them. But words, they hurt. You know, a broken bone will heal. But what somebody said to us can last a lot longer than it takes for a bone to heal. And we remember the words that were spoken. We remember the pain. And it hurts. We're aware of the damage of what we say. And it lingers. You know, a few years ago, and maybe we had a lot of forest fires, and there's one, usually it's out west, but we had one down in the Smoky Mountains, and it did a lot of damage. A lot of cabins were, were ruined, and, and, and part of the, uh, the Smoky Mountains itself was sort of roped off or marked off like, hikers, you can't come through here because it's still a mess. We were there probably about a year and a half after all of that, and as, as we hiked, we saw the damage in this forest from the fire. And sometimes when I'm reading through, you know, the fire is like, you know, this, your tongue is like a forest fire. And it's like, we think about everything's burned up and it just comes back green. It takes a while. Scars are left. Evidence of what you said is left for all to see, especially in those that were hurt, right? The book of Proverbs it's almost like James reached back to some Old Testament and said, you know, the Old Testament, Proverbs, has a lot about the tongue. He said this, just as damaging as a madman shooting a deadly weapon is someone who lies to a friend and just says, I was joking. I was only joking. You know those I'm only joking comments can hurt as well. The tongue can bring death or life, but those who love to talk will reap the consequences. There are consequences for the things we say, good and bad. And James isn't telling us, hey, I don't want you to ever speak. I don't want you. It's not about taking a vow of silence. It'd be better if we could just exercise some self-control over the tongue. But the problem is it's hard for me to control my own tongue. I need some heavenly help on this one. And you do too. Because I know this, when, when my tongue is controlled in the right way, good things can happen. Kind words can be said. Well-timed encouragement or a compliment can inspire somebody to have a changed life. If it wasn't me hearing the words of a speaker at a camp, my life wouldn't be where it is today. The positive words are incredible. A few other Proverbs. Proverbs 19, 19 to 21 says this. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible. Keep your mouth shut. That's a good one to memorize, right? 
The words of the godly are like sterling silver. The heart of a fool is worthless. The words of the godly encourage many, but fools are destroyed by their lack of common sense. Proverbs 26, 20 says, Fire goes out without wood, and quarrels disappear when gossip stops. Oh, if we could just stop gossiping less fire, right? Another scripture says, Worry weighs down a person, a person down, and an encouraging word cheers a person up. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. So the words that we use can be destructive or they can be encouraging and building. Which is coming out of our mouth? It's so hard, isn't it? Because again, the tongue, uncontrollable, powerful, dangerous. If we could just tame it, right? If I could just tame my tongue. James says you can't. Look at verse 7 and verse 8. He says, people can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless, full of evil, full of deadly poison. A wild animal can be easily more tame than the tongue. Have you ever been like to Sea World or somewhere where they have dolphin shows or seals or something? They can train these animals. Maybe you've, you've seen a, a, a lion or a bear or something been trained. And it's like, well, we can, we can tame the, the wildest of animals that can maul you and hurt you, right? But the tongue, James says, nobody, nobody can tame it. Now, he even said reptiles. And I was thinking about that. Reptiles? Who tames a reptile? But it's about snakes. And here's the thing. I don't like snakes. I'm not fearful of snakes. I'm not going to scream and run away if a snake is like, ooh, a snake. But it's like, you want to touch it? No, no, I'm cool. It's like, snakes are all right. I just really don't care for them. Especially poisonous ones. Well, you know, I know the difference between a poisonous and a non-poisonous one, right? The poisonous snake has venom in it that will shut down my nervous system and probably kill me. A non-poisonous snake just sort of slithers around and just sits there, right? So I... I know that difference. I know this too. But the behavior of these snakes are different as well. A, a non-poisonous snake, like let's say a boa constrictor um, some, or a python, some people are like, we'll pick them up and hold them and they're like all cool and they slither around or whatever. And it's like, yeah, no big deal. But a poisonous snake, nobody ever picks up a rattlesnake or a cobra. It's like, oh, nice snake. No, because they're, they're easily irritated and agitated and nervous and they strike, right? They're so different than a non-poisonous snake. There's a big difference there. And when I look at this scripture here, I was thinking about this. A poisonous snake will, will latch onto you with its fangs, and venom will shoot through its fangs into your blood system, causing, again, the nervous system breakdown, uh, blood poisoning, even death. I mean, it's a lot of issues here, right? But as soon as it injects that venom, what does it do? Let's go and just slithers off, right? Isn't that sort of what James is getting at here? See, with our, with our tongues, we, we just like, boom, shoot venom at people. And then we just walk away. No big deal. And the person who we just injected that venom into is left with pain and worse yet, death, right? James 3.8 says, no one can tame the tongue. It's restless, full of deadly poison. Our tongues are being controlled when they're out of out of control to that of a deadly snake that injects the venom into its victim. And the word tame here actually means to domesticate, to bring under control, to subdue. 
Same exact word in Mark chapter 5, 4, when there's this demonic man, he was possessed by a demon, and it says in Mark 5, 4, that no one could bring this demonic man under control. No one, it says the word is, could tame him. That same word that is used to say, I can tame a lion, I can tame a bear, I can tame a wild animal and domesticate it, but I cannot tame this demonic man. Only Jesus could do that, right? Paul or James is using the same word here. James saying, the tongue. Can't tame it. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And he uses this, this word again like, your tongue, full of venom. It just sort of sits back until somebody gets close enough and then you just strike. And you say words that are poisonous. I try not to use too many Greek words like, hey, this Greek word says this and this Greek word says that. I do it when I study to help me understand certain words when I'm studying God's word. But there's a Greek word I'm going to throw up on the screen. I'm going to put up on the screen. Sorry, I said throw up. Might have got some of you sick on that one. But here, the word is thonoteferis. Now, if you look at this word, it's broken up into two Greek words. The one word is thonatos and the other one is ferris. Now, I was talking to Paul about this a while ago because and, and, he's a huge Avenger fan, okay? So if you like the Avengers, you remember uh, Thanos, like the evil guy? And, and Yeah, okay. His name is derived from this Greek word, thanatos. Thanatos means death. Pharos is to carry. Okay, so for those of you who like the Avengers, that one was for you, okay? But the point in this, this word is used because James says, I want you to understand our tongue. It can carry death with it. It brings with it death. How are you using your tongue? Out of control. Now, I was thinking about this. If we go all the way back to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and that serpent, Satan disguised as a serpent, slithers in like a snake. Oh, here's that snake again, full of deadly poison. What, is Satan, what does Jesus call Satan? He is called what? The father of lies. He's deceptive. He is a liar, full of evil and poison. Now, with all that in mind, he's sort of sitting here saying, wow, my tongue. God help me on this one because it's out of control at times. And maybe right now you're sitting there thinking, I remember when I said this and I really regret it now. I've said things I should not have said. I've tweeted things, posted things. I, I, I texted things out there I should not say. And it is harmful. It is hurtful. And maybe you're also thinking on the, on the receiving end, it's like, I have been hurt by people who have said things. And you're just sort of sitting there saying, yeah, I've been burned. I've been bitten. And it is no fun. And I'm sitting there, maybe in my own life, sitting there thinking, how can I say something like that? How can I be, how, why am I so critical how could those ugly words have ever come out of my mouth? John Wesley is a pastor. He said one time this woman came up to him and said, Pastor, I think I know my talent from God. He goes, well, what is, what is the talent that God gave you? He goes, I think God gave me the talent to speak my mind. John Wesley said, I think you need to bury that talent. Right? James says, I, I've told you all about the tongue. But I've really got a pet peeve, okay? I, I, know, I know I've told you it's, it's, it's uncontrollable and it's, it's powerful and it's dangerous and, it, and it's venomous. It carries death. He goes, but here's, here's really my biggest pet peeve about all this. Look at verse 
9 of James chapter 3. He says, sometimes our tongues praise our Lord and Father. Sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing can point out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble and both fresh water and bitter water come out? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. See, our tongue, we came, with our tongue, we can use it for the highest calling. Praising God, singing songs to Him, in prayer and lifting Him up. But with our tongues, we can curse men and say horrible things about people. For those of us who are born again, who are Christians, James says, it should not be this way. It's not right. You come in here on a Sunday morning and you sing to God and you go out Sunday afternoon and you just rip on people. Christians should not be doing that. And you wonder why the world looks at Christians and say, why would I want to be like you? You're, not, you're no different than me. Wow, thanks, James. <laughs> Appreciate you really building me up today. But James doesn't care about our emotions. He cares about our spiritual well-being. James wants to see you and I in a relationship with our Heavenly Father, growing and flourishing. And he's like, if i got to step on your toes to wake you up, I will step on your toes. And like I said, sometimes when I, when I, when I preach, I know sometimes people are like, well, do you have to talk about that? I do because it's in the Word. And I know sometimes we want to avoid things because we don't want to offend anybody's feelings. I don't think God's worried about your feelings being offended. God's worried about your heart. He's worried about my heart. He's worried about our relationship with him. And he says, if this is something we've got to work on, let's work on it. But you can't control it. Only my Holy Spirit can help you on this one. Because controlling your tongue is difficult. I love the pictures James uses. He uses a, a spring and he uses a tree. He said, can, can salty and fresh come out of the same, same spring? No. Can a fig tree produce olives? No. One author said this, you can label a fig tree olive tree, but it doesn't make it an olive tree. He goes, you can trim a fig tree to make it look like an olive tree, but it's not an olive tree. You can treat a fig tree as if it were an olive tree, but it doesn't make it an olive tree. You can surround a fig tree with a whole orchard of olive trees, but it doesn't make it an olive tree. In the same way, you can call yourself a Christian. You can dress like a Christian. You can act like a Christian. You can surround yourself with a bunch of other Christians, but that doesn't make you a Christian. Only by the saving grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ do we surrender and become Christians and walk into his presence right with him. Only by faith. We've all been hurt, abused, offended by somebody else's tongue. And we too have probably hurt somebody else with our tongues. And James is saying, we've got to do something about this. Because we're all, we're all guilty of saying ugly things at times. And James says, this is a universal problem. Everybody in this room, everybody that's watching online, everybody globally deals with this challenge. And the only way to subdue it and tame it is to bring it under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the only way. I can take a vow of silence. I can try. 
And, and I can try to maybe do some things, some steps along the way to help me. I, I know this. If I, I love watching in a good action movie, but I know today's action movies are just littered with all kinds of language. And it's like, ah, oh, I, can, I, can, I can sort of deal with the language because I want to see that action movie. But I know this. But where are my thoughts later? I hear those words over and over. And I pray that they never fall out of my mouth. And it's like, probably the best thing for me to do is probably not watch that action movie. Because whatever comes garbage in, garbage out. Whatever I bring in is going to go out. And Jesus is very clear about it. He goes, what's coming out of your mouth? It comes from the heart. So what's in here is going to come out here. Church, we need the Holy Spirit to work in us internally. He needs to work in us from the inside out. We need to surrender our words and commit our tongue and, and our mouth to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Like, God, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my tongue. Help me, Lord. Guard my mouth. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, guard it. You know, and I, I know it's very easy when you get into the Scripture, and even me this morning saying, you know, well, hey, are you gossiping? Are you putting others down? Are you swearing? Are you bragging? Are you complaining? Are you false teaching? Are you exaggerating? Are you lying? There's all kinds of negative things we can do with our heart. But it's like, we need to stop focusing on all those negatives, and let's just start overpowering it with the positive. Am I speaking the truth? Am I being kind to others with my words? Am I being encouraging with my words? Before I speak... Maybe there's three things we can ask. One, is it true? If it's not true, don't say it. If what I'm about ready to say, is it necessary? If it's not necessary, I don't have to say it. Is it kind? If it's not kind, don't say it. True, necessary, kind. If it, Start off that as a filter. If you have a problem with a filter, start there maybe. Maybe when you wake up in the morning, you sort of put on this little note card. Here's Psalm 141.3, two different versions. One says, take control of what I say, O Lord. Guard my lips. Maybe that should be our morning prayer when we wake up. Lord, set guard. Set guard. <laughs> like a Roman soldier, Lord, set guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Yeah, it means to be our morning prayer. Maybe this would be a good scripture to memorize. Right? Worship team, would you come forward, please? You know, uh, last Sunday... Um, got done preaching, church was out, and um, I zipped out of here pretty quick because my, my family was getting together in Indiana. It's about two hours away for a 4th of July gathering. I had a nephew and niece that were from California that were here, and so I was like, hey, let's get everybody together so we can see each other. And my immediate family, immediate, so brothers, sisters, and their kids, um, adds up to a little over 80 and so, not all 80 were going to be there, but a large contingency of my family is going to be there. So it's like, let's, let's go. Let's see everybody. So I told mom, I said, probably be 2 o'clock before we get there. Well, we'll wait till eat at 2 o'clock. I was like, don't wait on us to start eating in case. Well, sure enough, if you take the turnpike, uh, you understand there's these things called orange cones. Okay? Construction. It didn't matter what route we took to Indiana. I took like four different routes this past two weeks. There's orange cones everywhere. We didn't get there until about 2.45. And so 45 minutes late, they'd already eat all the instructions. I don't know what kind of instructions you need when you show up at a family gathering, right? Long table of food of all these homemade cooked goods that it could feed an army. And everybody's going to be taking home leftovers because we all overcooked, right? So it's like, what instructions do I really need? Grab plate. Hey, everybody. Hey, Rex is here. Jenny's here. Yeah, we're here. Okay, let's get our food. Then we'll go sit and eat with everybody. And I'm going through and get my food. I got to the end. If you remember, it was super hot last Sunday, high humidity. So I've got my food. I'm thinking, man, I'm so thirsty. 
and, you know, try not to drink too much when you're on the road because then you got to stop a lot, right? So it's like, I got my plate. Oh, water. So I walk over to the igloo cup, and then it's like I had my cup, and I start pouring the water, and I was like, oh, and I should have known. I should have known by the fact that my hand was a little warm <laughs> that maybe this wasn't the drinking water. And I was like, oh, took a big gulp, like, mm, pff, just sprayed it out. It was warm well water, and I should have taken notice that there was a washcloth soap and a bunch of utensils. Oh, this is where you take your dishes and stuff, to, your, your utensils to wash, and it's the hand, yeah. And I was like, oh, I drank the wrong water. Over here in the coolers was all the bottled waters and ice, and it's like, there, that's the right water, right? And it's like, why was I not paying attention? It's like, I didn't intentionally, like, let's see. Cool ice water, warm well water. I'm intentionally picking the warm well water. It's like, no, it's like, I made a mistake. I sort of stumbled my way into that one, and it's like, oh, was I, I, need to, I need to get better attention here. I need to have better control on what I'm doing, right? But it's sort of the same way with our tongue. We, we stumble at times, and we make the wrong choice and realize, I should have done this instead. But here's the thing. Spiritually speaking, we need to choose the living water, Jesus Christ. Put aside the physical water, the spiritual water, the living water. I need Christ in me. Choosing Christ every day. Lord, work through me. Guard my mouth. I need that living water in me. That still, stagnant, warm water of this world doesn't cut it. Doesn't help. Listen, it's, it's not about just guarding our tongues. It's about guarding our heart. With Christ living in us, what comes out of us is going to be better. How's Christ doing in your life? And again, it's not just about your tongue today. That's obviously what James was hitting on. But it goes deeper than that. You know, this morning... Um, during the first service. Again, Dave and I are never like, hey, I'm preaching on this exact passage and I'm gonna, these are my main points. And he's like, okay, I'm gonna line up these songs and da-da-da. We, we don't do that. And this morning, it happened again. It was like, I'm, I'm up here saying, listen, it starts from the inside out. Let Christ work in you. And Dave gets up, he's like, what? Rex, guess what we're singing? I'll tell you in a second. But in the first, first verse of this song, there's another word that's going to stick out. It's where we started the sermon. And as we sing this song, it gets through to where we end the sermon. Would you stand, please? Heavenly Father, as we sing and we use our tongues to praise you, God, I first ask that you start working in our hearts. God, I pray that your spirit's already been doing that amongst this church family. Lord, I know for myself, even this week as I was preparing I was catching myself often saying, like, just control my tongue. Control my, 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 my words. It was challenging. So God, as I share with this church family that I love, God, help us all as we often stumble to get back up and to ask you, the Lord of Lord and King of Kings, to invade and enter our hearts. Lord, come on in and change us from the inside out. We can't fake it walking around singing to you in here, but then cursing people outside these walls. 
God, we need help. So God, start in our inside. Work from the inside out, Lord. Change us, Lord. Lord, may you be honored by what we sing to you now. In thy name we pray. Amen.